Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Phil Tiger. Slacker Podcast. Hello Slackers, Season 5 is back, the wheels are turning and we are in motion again for one of the finest music podcasts out there anywhere. Episode 1 last week was um, with Bicep, it welcomed in um, the first foray into uh, podcast goodness of um, 2021. We kind of smashed it a bit in 2020. Was that due to there being a lack of things to do, existential dread, not being able to leave the house and having an infinite amount of artists at your disposal due to the fact that there was no touring or uh, PR opportunities? You bet your damn ass it was. <laughs> like if, the, if a pandemic was, if you were looking for the silver lining in it, which let's be honest, there's not very many there. But um, being able to get artists on Zoom and being able to move doing this on Zoom um, has helped greatly because before that I was traveling around all the country to, uh, to get in front of people. And now we know that, that doesn't need to happen anymore. Um, I hope you're good. My name is Phil Taggart. The whole uh, idea of this podcast is to get to know some artists, um, get to know where they're coming from musically and, and just um, shoot the breeze really in a, in a musical form. Um, at the very beginning of each podcast, we play uh, an early demo um, to get like a, an idea of um, where where they're coming from. Last week on on season five, episode one, it was so long since I uploaded a new podcast that I uploaded it without the demo, and that was really foolish because the demo last week was um, a demo of Porcelain, which is Moby's biggest tune. And it's amazing. It's all on acoustic guitar. Like you can hear the crackles in the background. It sounds so different to what it ended up being. Um, and I thought I'd fixed it and put it back up. And I got a couple of messages during the week from people going, listen, the whole idea was about the, the demo and you haven't put it up. So listen, it will be amended. Um, the demo will be up there if you've listened to it and you were like going, I just heard Phil, Tag- Phil Taggart going, and that was, and this is, yeah. It will be up there, I promise. Um, thank you as well to um, the, the the couple of you that uh, subscribe to the Slacker Patreon. 
during the week it's just patreon.com forward slash slacker podcast mad love to you for that like if you if you've been digging through all of the five bajillion episodes that we've done and you want to give some coppers to the the independent content um then um that would be amazing it's patreon.com forward slash um slacker podcast uh the this podcast is is sponsored by chilled beats chilled beats is the best music program on spotify it is two hours of incredibly well curated chill music whether that's hip-hop whether that's techno whether that's pop whether that's folk um, it's all a little bit alternative and it's there for anybody who has a little bit of anxiety in their life, has a little bit of stress in their life or just needs that moment to relax with good tunes, and good chat. And it's presented by a seven foot gold stallion of a man called Phil Taggart. <laughs> I'll put a link to um, Chill the Beats below. It is, I think it's the bigger of the two podcasts. Um, at the moment, Slacker Podcast has been going for years, but Chill the Beats has, has taken off in a very, very um, big and direct way. So if if you ever listen to me do the Chilla show on Radio 1, or you've listened to me on radio before, where I'm playing records, well, I'm doing it on Spotify now. I, I've also got a show starting on, on Radio Ulster this week as well. But listen, Chill the Beats, that's where it's at. I'll link to it below. Um, so last week we had bicep. This week um, we're staying with the bees. Um, we're going to Belfast City via London um, for the, the the duo that are really conquering dance music um, over the last couple of years. They just released Alts, their second album, which went to number two in the charts, which is absolutely incredible for any dance record. And specifically me being Northern Irish and then being Northern Irish, it was a bit of a Northern Irish situation do you know what i'm saying situation um so it's been a long time coming it was great to to have bicep on the podcast here they are bicep on the slacker podcast in three two one Our actual studio was directly behind the, the bar and the snooker table that they had in the, the, the main bar area. Um, our studio's right behind it. And every morning we'd pop out to kind of use the microwave or, or boil a kettle and just do little bits and pieces. And there's this guy that would sit at the bar um, every day and he would always be having like a Corona or a beer. At like Desperados. Sort of, yeah, Desperados. About 11, 11 in the morning. Um, and he'd always be sitting in, in there just chilling. Um, relaxing at the bar and it was one of those things where you kind of popped out and, and there was no real reason to sort of chat at length but we'd say hello hey how you doing man you okay pop back in and after a while we, we somehow struck up a bit of a conversation and he mentioned i think it was like a 10 or a 15 grand reverb or something like oh yeah yeah we used to use this before them and he said something like that and we were a bit like oh i wonder who this, who this is and he said he was mike and uh, so we we're just chatting away and then um we we're like, right, let's go back in and did a wee bit of research. And it turned out it was uh, Mike Chapman who wrote My Sharuna, Lonely at Christmas. <laughs> he did the uh, um, Blondie albums. You know, he had, um, it, it was like a, like one of the most famous record producers ever. <laughs> and he had been in, reco- he was in recording at the time and he'd been in for a couple of months. And then it ended up, you know, kind of funny that we just chatted away to him. 
while scrambling eggs in a bowl and just chatting about it. So it was just funny. Some of the characters, he just rubbed shoulders with every day. We had no idea. You know what I mean? He had no airs and graces about him. He was very chill. Just totally, totally chill. It's, um, so yeah. it, it is mad, those, those places. Because like, there's a lot of... Um, like a lot of these studios in, in London tend to sprout up and last for about maybe five years, six years, and then they get bought over by developers and then they go somewhere else. And yeah. it, 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 keeps, it keeps it quite um, fluid. I was in the studio in, in Hackney um, a couple of, about two months ago, and it was just like a couple of different studio spaces. Really, really cool. Like, you know, uh, like wooden paneling the whole way up all the walls. Yeah. Like, you know, it looked like something from the 70s. And as I was like going into the sort of unisex toilets, there was only one toilet and PJ Harvey walks out of it as yeah. I'm walking into it. And I'm just like going, oh my God, this is so weird. Yeah. I don't know what to do. What do you do in a situation like this? I'm just like, just be cool, be normal. Just yeah, you got to keep your cool when you're at work because it's like, it's obviously they're all kind of in doing their own thing and kind of in their own safe spaces at work. So yeah. it's something in the toilets. Yeah, you just bump into <laughs> random people. You recognize and you try and Google them all day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're absolutely nothing done. Um, right. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's the Slacker podcast. And um, and we, that's it. That's, that's all the good stories told. So I'll like, we'll end it there, lads. I'll see you later. All the best. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, all the best. Yeah, <laughs> Um, so we, uh, we've got a little demo to, to, to kick us off it's a really, really short one um, it's like it's called Hang Drum and listen we'll talk about, about it after we, we hear it You know, we get demos in all sorts of different shapes and sizes from different eras, um, from the very start, from the, the middle, from, from the, the, the current bits. And that, that's more of an up-to-date demo, isn't it? Of, uh, no, oh, oh. That, that was basically for the album, what we, well, the album, what the process we kind of changed to is like every time we finished the day, we'd spend 10 minutes just burn off what we'd worked on that day. And like through the album, we had like easily 150 demos of stuff we were working on. And every day you kind of, we were fusing together ideas, different tracks together, and that was one of the early. Yeah, that was that's like, very early on. That's very early on the writing process where we kind of just find we find the vocal possibly. I to be honest, I can't even remember making that because we, it went through like three or four different iterations. Yeah. But that's that's now two separate songs in the album. That track, that's Apricots. That's the vocal from Apricots pitched up, uh-huh. and then that's uh, the drums of Saku. So it's like two, it's the two singles put together. And that was actually, part, that was a very much an idea. And yeah. Yeah, we didn't really, we, I mean, we also just felt it was a bit, we just. It was a good idea. So we, we split it into two. Yeah, tracks. we just split it up. And, and it, I don't think it worked as well. I think it worked better as two separate ideas, but you can. I've heard both, I've heard both tracks now. Um, like Saku, as we record this, is the night for another week. Um, yeah. but I've heard both. And like, when you listen to that after, it's such a head fuck because that one's so busy. And the other two are yeah. like, well, go, yeah, it's that was the first thing. That was the first thing I said to Matt. It was like that clav. Yeah, really yeah. annoys me the way it did it. It's just, it's, it, that's the whole point of like, um, you, we try and like build stuff up quite densely and then 
take it, you yeah. know, strip it back. Like a, a half the process for us is is removing rather than adding. Like we we tend to cook it pretty hard with chuck everything in, and we used to kind of keep it all in. I think now we're trying to focus on stripping things back a bit, and you know, kind of. The, the placement of that vocal kind of came a bit off those drums, but then when you stripped away all the drums, the, the final apricots is actually very sparse. Um, your and then, music generally is. I think it takes a lot of confidence in your abilities as a, as a writer and a creator to, to leave space in, in music. I think, I think all the music we like and listen to, like you listen to like basic channel and stuff and the simplicity is like kind yeah. of, and the detail comes in the repetition and the like space you leave it. It's like, I think we concentrated quite a lot in the mix in the album, trying to leave space. And so like, you know, we spend money on these reverbs, but like when you cook the track too heavily, you can't even hear the reverb. So, you know, like we tried to make them part of the songs, you know, like write, write the tracks, not around the delays and, and reverbs and stuff, but we really wanted to hear the chorus echo tape and, you know, like things like that. Like we're yeah. we wanted texture in it rather than just like everything really loud in your face and, you know that, that kind of how you'd mix it for a club almost another thing is that like kind of i mean this has just happened organically but we obviously we've, we've like we're from a tech like i wouldn't say a techno background at all but we listened we, we, we went clubbing a lot and spent a lot of time shine listened to a lot of techno and dj'd a lot of stuff like that when we were younger and also and also um, and also um also um, a lot of fundamentally quite stripped back and then i suppose we've kind of fused that over time with much more like maybe musical elements but i still think the drum programming stuff we quite like it stripped and then obviously when we start to play live we 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 we, we busy things up a bit more but it's quite nice for like the the production stuff and the album stuff now to keep it quite i mean we, we deliberately keep it quite dialed back 150 tracks like you being selectors and you you guys being curators like you're not the same as like a somebody signed to a major label that would have an A&R or have an A&R team like surely like you know you guys yes. really are the A&R of your own music really I mean it's it's quite it's quite easy when you have when you, you have the process where you're making lots of demos and you've got lots of little stuff burnt off that you don't attach to stuff too heavily so it's like it freezes up almost just saying okay this is a demo we can always come back to everything yeah. record everything come back to it and usually a lot of ones that are good will sit and we can come back to them in three or four months and they still sound good it's worse if you spend a week on a track and get really attached to it try and mix it slightly and then you're kind of you're like attached to it rather than when you're constantly turning out like little small demos even if it's like then the day burning something off you end up way more free and not attached to the like say if you said i'm going to write this album 10 songs you need to make those 10 songs work. Whereas it's we're like, like remixes, yeah. you're forced to finish it. And you're like, ah, oh, I hate this. <laughs> yeah, we like, like we, we, six months off we, it. And we, then we'll come like, back. I think remixing is like for us, we enjoy doing it. But I think sometimes when there's a deadline and there's a, and, and you have to reach an end goal, the amount of times we just want to bin it and just think, right, this is not working. And the nice thing is with, with obviously writing things, especially things like albums where it's like so broad, we just, we, we've been half of it, more than half of it, like 80, 80, 90% of it. And then obviously it can just sit, when I say bin, I just mean stick it somewhere on the hard drive and you just don't come near it for a few years. And then we do come back to stuff and then maybe it's, it's, it kind of, you, you remove a load of parts and keep one element like glue. We made two, two or three years before we actually made it, mm-hmm. but it had a different melody and different pads and a, and, and no vocal. And then we came back to it when we were writing the album 
liked the drums and didn't like anything else and just scrapped everything and rewrote over the top of it. And that's just an idea that didn't make it three years before. And then in three years time, you kind of come back to it and you're it's like, oh. It's the same with the apricots. It probably was one of the first demos we made, but the last track we finished because we knew we liked the vocal, but we never really got working. And it kind of came together and we knew what the rest of the album was going to sound like. And we knew yeah. where that could play, we could place it. And which we, is not like the normal process we go through. And we had another demo that had the synths and the strings worked out, but they were that was an ambient demo, and we kind of fused them together. And we kind of got the like we we're into we're, we definitely sit down some days and just meld demos together, just repitch them, change the key of stuff, you know, and kind of got got comfortable with with sort of knowing how to pitch stuff to to fit you know jack our stuff together basically definitely can't come in every day and create like sometimes it has to be coming oh. in and doing work it's like it's like having meetings all yeah. day and then not answering your emails do you know what i mean you can and like you, yeah. you need to do do both i wanted to talk about glue um really quickly right because it's probably one of the most recognizable like alternative dance songs of the last five years probably it, it, it like I heard somebody say to me, and this made me boss my whole laugh. And I don't know whether you'll take this as a compliment or as an insult. <laughs> I this. Have you heard this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got we got tweeted it a few times. <laughs> yeah, somebody said to me, for the benefit of our listeners that yeah. don't know, um, they said biceps glue is like Wonderwall for ketamine heads. <laughs> and like I, I was thinking about this today, right? I was like, how would I take that if I was in bicep? I was like, I would take that fucking well because it makes it like basically like we have the biggest song in dance music. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, it's funny. Like we didn't really. Uh, I mean, don't take offense. Don't take much. I mean, it's just it's funny. It's funny. Like, um, <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, I mean, it is. It, it's amazing. Like we we honestly, it was we 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 were playing it out for about we we were yeah, maybe yeah like. Um, like at least six months we were doing the live show six months before we had the album out and we were we were, we were slipping it into the live show and like we remember playing at Coachella and barely had barely a person moved <laughs> like, people just, you know, just, I think that's Coachella though like Coachella yeah, yeah, but, but, it, but it definitely didn't have that instant effect on the dance floor the way other stuff would you know we were playing like Rain and Aura and they, and they, they worked really well and Glue definitely didn't work and uh, it took quite a while for it to sort of like permeate, I think, and we were questioning even on the album. Yeah, and we it was like, definitely like it was. They wanted to use Ninja wanted to use a single, and we were like, okay, cool, like you know best. But we certainly didn't stand out to us as whether it would work or not. And I know a few of my friends that were in were in dance music as well. We're like, oh, that's very very chilled out, isn't it? Like you know, it's quite <laughs> strange. Like I think you, there was not like a huge amount of confidence that we felt there like from some of our peers and stuff on ourselves about you know it being like a big single or anything it was just something that didn't stand out as one of those tracks do you know what i mean it is we we loved it yeah it is weird like that because like you know traditionally when you go with a big single off an album it's normally like the the big energy one or 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 whatever like this this feels like it's more like this prepared down third or fourth single or whatever but it's the one that everybody, everybody has latched on to yeah, I know it's funny that it just goes to show. I mean, I think we just we just concentrate on on we don't try and think too much about how it's, how yeah. stuff's received. Even more so now, I think that's given us more confidence. Don't think about how it's going to be received. Don't second guess yourself. Just make the music that you want to make. Put you, it out there, and then you know, see how it goes down. Like you guys have lived through the whole fucking EDM shit that's that that that's come around, right? Like. 
it when, feels like twice because hard dance is big yeah. in the UK in the 90s, and then <laughs> in America got it. Remember Lisa Lashes and all that? Exactly. <laughs> Planet Love's coming back for us all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, when, when, like, you're never going to do that commercial side of things, I don't think, anyway, right? So, like, no. when, when you had, had written a song like Just, right, did you ever think that you would have something that was even bigger? Did you, did you feel at that time there was like a, uh, a glass ceiling in terms of like underground dance well, music? I, th- I think we definitely felt like that was the first time we, that was the turning point where we really, really questioned, like thought about our music and, you know, like every EP needed to count. But then we uh, the, we thought even further onto that. And then that's what, where the album came from. We kind of needed to express ourselves in like a longer format and, you know, make the, do these things that might possibly not work on a dance floor. Like we didn't envisage the live show and stuff at that stage, but we kind of just wanted to express the musical ideas across a longer format. I think just as about the point where we both got the hang of piano, like we'd kind of been self-taught and, and it was one of those things where, you know, you do a lot of the, like a lot of nineties house stuff and stuff we've done before is quite loopy. You do it by ear. If you kind of know your scales, you can kind of roughly, you know, you can get a melody roughly, you know, um, sounding correct. But then I think when we started, pardon? You take piano lessons? I, I did for like three or four years, yeah. I didn't, but just I've just kind of self-taught. But like, just I mean, we just picked it up slowly through. I mean, I think over time, I think you know, there's difference between like learning and like theory. Like by the by, like a year or so in, it was more a case about breaking down songs, working out how they put them together. What like a lot of piano tunes, you you like a lot of tunes I love were actually just very simple piano, and it's just trying to understand how the motion element came into that and. Yeah. I don't think it's a case of like I never like I don't think either of us want to be like pianists or anything, but we can definitely play and work our way around the keyboard. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I'm confident across keys and how like you know it's more a case I think of like um using the piano to actually write and you know like harness emotion across the p- piano. I mean, that's the main thing. That's the main thing for us. Now sit down piano and just thrash thrash ideas out there. Have to work on piano first. And just was about the first time that we'd kind of got our head around it not being guesswork you know we actually sit down and we're able to like you know play it and uh i think that's definitely i mean that, and that, the thing is i mean that's just something we try and build on constantly you know what i mean we're just trying to get better and understand it all better um do spend quite a lot of time trying to like analyze why things feel the way they feel and, and kind of get on not just like guess the emotions you have to understand why you're doing stuff and sort of look at like other bands and how they kind of do do have little techniques radiohead are always a really good one to look at because they always try and hide stuff within their music and mm. it might not be glaringly obvious but it has longevity sometimes yeah. and apex turns the same yeah affects the same it's like you can he can roll a two note chord over seven minutes and still not feel boring yeah. why is that yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly it's, yeah. it's true it's it's unbelievably layered but done in a way that it doesn't automatically feel like that straight away like you dig into some yeah, Radiohead yeah. stuff. Like I mean, I play bass, and some of the some of the bass lines that they have, I can't even go near. Like, it's just ridiculous. But we were talking about the the sort of long form, right? The the record. Like I mean, you're like I'm not gonna say your genre because you don't really have one. Like you're kind of a mixture of like um all my all the best bits of underground dance, but like it's never dance music in general has never been something that has appreciated the album format as much as many other genres have like people will be happy to constantly release singles or constantly release eps like there's, there's quite a few reasons from that i think it's like it's because you're conflicted to make stuff work in a club 
if you're making a club album, it's like, should you make these tracks work? Every single one needs to work in a club. Should they all be hits? Should they, like, it's usually a case of they'll put a couple of hits on and then it'll be um, sandwiched between ambient tracks, which are kind of just end up being quite filler. Fill, quite filler. Yeah. Whereas like if you're, and it's also very hard to write 12 A-side kind of um, dance floor tracks. And then also that that would mean that they would all have, like when you're making um, stuff that works on a dance floor, dance floor hits, they used to have to be kind of unique, sound different or have like a quality that's like, it's not coherent. So if you, if you think of like an album format and you have 12 songs for as a band, you're using all the same equipment and you want to have that coherence. If it's a dance music album, you don't want that coherence. You want to have like a fresh track, every single one. And there's just there's so many little reasons. And also yeah. how you mix stuff. It's like when you're mixing stuff for a club, you make it, you try and make it a lot hotter. A lot hotter. It's not dynamic, really. It's... Yeah, a lot more mono. Give all the space to like the more, you want the more like, um, you want it to feel a bit like punchier. And then that means you lose other elements like the dynamics and the reverbs and the delays don't sound as like detailed. So like it's the compromises are really hard to kind of like we find it even with this album is like where do we draw the line and making stuff work for a dance floor and early on in the process we were like let's cut it down and let's let's make these tracks way more soft almost home listening versions and then use the use the live show to develop these into more techno club focused tracks where we can really go all out in the mix go all out in the yeah. kind of the, the Just hard, cook them up a bit yeah yeah like cook it up a bit so we we like we've, we've it's a it's a, it's a, a very active just idea for the album that was just going to be that this is a more home listening. There's no four four like house beats or techno beats on the album. Everything's broken up. We decided we want to give ourselves a lot more space. Get the songwriting part that we're really happy with, but don't feel don't feel that any of these really need to work as for DJs. Yes, it's great if they do, but we would definitely did that was not a focus at all with. Uh, but we knew when we do the live show and perform it, we can complete. We, we we're it's, gonna remake the whole album as a much more techno focused album. It's it's such a compromise to make it four four and a club in terms of your creativity, and I think that's like the main point of how it yeah. makes it hard for dance albums to kind of survive. But like, really, don't aren't like you know if you if live music was a thing at the moment, right? Surely you've you've built yourself into a. Uh, a situation now where you're able to have your cake and eat it right where you can go and do the artistry side and and play live and play your songs and and play the you know the creations that you have but you'll still get booked for buying a dj sets and you can go and play like other people's music and drop in like your own at the end of the night or whatever yeah but at the same time i think if we want to spend our time creating and if they doing a live show and really working as a team with the, the visuals and the lights yeah. it, you get yeah. way more of a buzz and also it's it's it just means i think we spent like we spend most of our days in the studio we don't really spend most of our days digging even though we spend a lot of time digging 90 percent of the time we'll be on synth playing music you know like recreating music you know like making demos and it's that that's what we want to do live it's like um I think DJM, we've done it for like 10 years now and it feels like um, we kind of... It's good fun, but it's just you can't beat live, basically. It's a lot more of a stressful day and obviously you're hauling around all the equipment and everything, but it's definitely like, I think the the immediacy of working on something and then being able to perform it and change it every time and obviously hone in how you perform it. Like over over the course of the, the last tour, we changed how we performed the tracks quite a lot. Mm. And like, you know, 
by the end some of them were like completely different songs than the, than the originals and that that's just quite fun to sort of shape something slowly you know also also DJs change for us it's not like we are warming up for like in a kind of class club every week it's generally we're playing big festivals and if we don't play glue we get like yeah, sometimes it just doesn't work. We're playing for like techno DJ, like yeah, Ben Clock or something. Yeah. And yeah. We, some we're like, we can't just play Glue last tune. <laughs> it's just a bit weird because we, it's such a dark vibe. And then next day, Twitter will be like, yeah, oh, I came all the way from Newcastle. You yeah, awful. Worst DJ. Like we, we, <laughs> we actually had that after the last tour where we stopped playing live and had a couple of DJ shows. And we actually had to learn to get on top of DJing again because the first shows we did we were like right we're not playing our own tunes anymore we're going to just play a load of techno and like you know enjoy it and just you know again people were just like what that's such a waste of money you didn't play this didn't play that and people actually associate now with the live so I think we definitely have to maybe if we're going to DJ again yeah. find a, a middle ground like we go to DJ and they're like print works is way better than this <laughs> yeah, <it's like> <laughs> <laughs> you, you, are, you are getting that situation now you're like play wonder what play glue that's what happens when you, when you when you have hit records but I mean this the relationship of, of this is all born out of um, dance music and dance culture in, in um, Northern Ireland and it's something something that's been massively um, important culturally over the last like um, 30 odd years um, yeah, like huge, like absolutely huge. It's, it's very hard to explain, but the only thing I can liken it to would have been punk rock in the seventies, where it was something that brought communities together in a way that nothing really was doing before. Yeah, to, like we've we've referenced that as well a few times. Yeah. Definitely, like with the stiff little fingers and the whole punk thing, <laughs> and then it it's just. Belfast had good subcultures, especially even growing up. They had like a little goth scene, this little indie scene. They love a wee subculture. You still do. You go to yeah. City Hall and everyone's, you still have the goth. I'm like, you don't get goths in London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get punks, like proper punks. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, I think it's just been, it's, it is as simple. It's just, there's no flags associated with the music and it's just, it's very easy to kind of, um, I think it's just a great place. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To kind of just, I think it definitely does in Northern Ireland break down some of those sort of social barriers and some of those, um, some of those divides and lets people just sort of cut loose for a bit. And on top of it's, it's it, it's very musical. I like. I was trying to explain this to like. I think a lot of the bars. There's really good bars that play good music. A, a range yeah. of good music. And like I remember growing up, and you're just hearing like, like uh, you go into like Katie Daly's, I remember and stuff, yeah. and it would be like such a range of music from like, even like emoy goth stuff to like yeah, just classic rock to even the Chemical Brothers esque stuff. You know, it was a bit. It was that kind of a range and. That was kind of across the board, I remember. Well, it's because I think it's, it's, it must, it's also a subconscious thing that I think people just naturally, music's just very important in Northern Ireland because of that and because of just, and also I think maybe it's just, music's quite a, a way that people find it maybe, I mean, Irish people maybe aren't the best at expressing themselves sometimes, like probably. <laughs> I think music, I mean, I, 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 I just <laughs> yeah. Whereas I think music's just quite an easy way for people to bond over. I think it's 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 quite it's like easy way to cry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nothing like nothing like bumping into random Jordan in the toilets of Shine telling, "I love you, brother. I love you, <laughs> brother." <laughs> that's, that's the only place it happens. <laughs> yeah, I would. You know what? Like any anything that can can um, get some positive um, emotion out of the young young men in Northern Ireland is uh, a yeah. good thing. I think. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, the, totally. But like, when you you guys were in Belfast when you were sort of setting up the the blog and stuff, and you were going to club nights. I mean, like, Shine has talked about quite a lot. Um, but there are other clubs, and there was other people like Timmy Stewart and people. Um, like, I, what was the club down in Cathedral Square? Was it called Yellow or something? I remember seeing Box Cutter. Yellow, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot of like sort of dance nights like floating around. Did you? Did you? I, I, I mean. We, 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 it was, we left Belfast when we were 18 and it right. really was shine. Shine was the dominant one. Like Vico's had just shot and it was shine was, it was art, just like, art school was good as well. But I think that had shot as well. Like it was just, like we know Timmy really well and it, everything kind of booted off whilst we were at uni because we left about 2000 and 2005. 2005. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So it's really, it, the blog actually happened later, 2007, whilst we'd moved to uni. We're, we're away, and I was in Newcastle, and he's in Manchester. And obviously, it, like twitching all the nights then, it started popping up. And it, I think a lot, a, a lot of the small. And there was a, there was um mono as well. Do you remember mono? Network yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, but shine was definitely when we were we went shine. When we were at school, not actually when we were able to go. So we were going. <laughs> when we were 16, 17. But it would have been moved it, away. But it was like shine wasn't just like one place. It was like almost like three bars in one you know like you've got the bonnet like the, the and the snack bar like it was the old shine you know before when it was like three four thousand people and they had drum and bass nights london electricity and all playing ltj bookham and all and it was very broad musically then i think and it obviously i think it, when it when when the capacity got smaller it was more techno focused yeah it was like but, I, I remember just going and just going to see like rick mcclellan and, and timmy stewart in the back bar i didn't even know he was headlining but i'd go and then just hear that that was like almost like a deep house little we, space we used to have it me and rory used to talk about timmy stewart house and it was a way to describe a particular type of house where we were just getting that's <laughs> oh, a your record because yeah, that sort of back bar you know the shine back bar was when you heard that sort of 120 bpm you know chuggy house that kind of you didn't get in the other rooms yeah but what's what's the um what's the ethos no no ethos is the wrong word like 
what do you do right back in back in those days when you're going to a club right you don't have shazam and you're maybe you don't know the dj but you're dying to hear that track and you don't know it like what's well, they like I'm, what do you go I'm through to do that well do you know do you know used to be like there was all and there was you uh, learned hard to, to find records do you remember hard to find yeah, records it's still, it's still, it's there was like an old vinyl website called hard to find records but it was just trawling old school trawling going i mean it was it was back then where you'd hear something and a year later, you'd stumble across the vinyl in a record shop and be like, oh my God, I've got it. Do you know what I mean? And you'd be on forums, hunting down, searching, you know, looking for track listings. And like essential mixes, you'd be just trying to yeah. ask people what that tune was. It was and definitely, also, and then you get people who are really knowledgeable and you go, oh, here, what's this? That's There's like the one sort of like wise owl sitting at the back of the club going, you may ask yeah. me three tracks tonight and no more. Um, <laughs> Well, like I've heard, I've heard some serious stories about um, club nights, like over the years, um, of people leaving the Spotify, not playing for Spotify Premium, and having a playlist on, and the ad coming up halfway through. I've heard of people yeah. put, putting on essential mixes or soul wax mixes, and a big dirty ID comes in. What are the biggest sort of like mad war stories that you've heard of other people's sets or other bits where you're like, it. oh my god. I had a complete stinker on the disco at the actually the stiff kitten. Um, we were DJ and it was like we're warming up for them. They gave us like a nice opportunity to kind of warm up for them in, a, in our hometown. So yeah, back home, a lot of all our mates there. And then the news came through that day that Whitney Houston died. So we're like, fuck, we need to get uh, Whitney Houston tuned to play at the end of the set. Um, these were the days. It was just down. I downloaded blindly off um off some website like a free download of. This. I want to dance with somebody and, and then jazz had finished up and then anto who was running the stiff kit at the time was like oh you you can play the one last tune you know like a tribute tune kind of thing just whacked it on didn't even didn't even hear it we had serato at the time i remember putting it on and it was like a hard dance version if i want to dance with somebody like lisa lashes remix like, like, really, boom, like, boom, boom, like really distasteful like really, really like, it was like she was turning her grave listening to that herself <laughs> it was like, like the worst tribute <laughs> it, was, it was like wah, 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 wah. had a drop and all the yeah, big yeah, build yeah. up it was an EDM it was oh. an EDM mix but like more of a sort of like you know Nucleus records you know like all the hard yeah, dance was, that's tragic everyone even had, to, had to stop it after like a minute yeah, like people like, were a bit like what, what is going on and it was all a bit you know confused and drunk and so that. I know I felt I was like I, I couldn't even get to the stage to turn it off myself but it was like <laughs> yeah I've had, I had a couple of Whitney Houston nightmares actually come to think of it <laughs> what's the other one the other one I remember playing in Birmingham by myself I don't know why you couldn't do it that one time and I remember uh, playing in a bar in the early days bar gigs are always quite hard usually you work a lot they kind of get the card going and then I thought it'd be good to play like a Whitney Houston versus Kraftwerk tune um, which is actually quite good I like that tune yeah it's, it's good but it absolutely went stunk the place out <laughs> you know yeah. the point where people were, I could feel the crowd like the hatred I've like, done that never before been, like I played at um, Latitude there, like not last year, the year before, and I was playing in the forest at about like two two a.m. and I was like, it was the first time I was I was testing out my new sort of like kind of like droney, like droney kind of ambient style minimal kind of set, and I was like, right, I'll do it. A forest will be fucking perfect for it. I got about fifteen yeah. minutes in, a load of people had turned up. 
15 minutes in, clear, I cleared a forest and everything. I've never cleared, I've cleared <laughs> giants before, but I cleared logger, a forest. I, I was a logger, yeah. <laughs> and I like, I like planned it for about like two weeks going, this is going to be fucking epic. And then after 15 minutes, I just reverted the form and started playing fucking disco tunes and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it, it's, that's it. When you always think of somewhere it's going to be, oh, it's going to be perfect for this, like, oh, sunset set in the Croatia. And you're just like, nah, that's not, these tunes don't work. It yet. is funny that you pre, like you pre-plan a slip. We've definitely done that loads of times. Where we're like, right, with like, and you second guess yourself. It's like, right, I know we'll, we'll get this all dialed down. There's been times we've thought, like, we're going to play, like, an example would be like, we were playing, like, you know, four or five in the morning, we'd come finish the live tour, and uh, we thought we were just going to play a load of hard techno. Everyone will love that. And, uh, you know, just, you just <laughs> get it really wrong. It's heartbreaking <laughs> as well. It really is heartbreaking because you'll have spent so you, long. You're, to- you're all excited. You know what I mean? It does. It's never works out that way. Um. So, like, you, you signed to Ninja Tune, which is a really great home for you. In like, obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but for me, from like the outside, I was like, wow, that's a that's a that's smooth moves from both. Like, um, you did the first album with them, and now you're sitting at the second album. Um, it, when's it coming out? What's what's the release date? Twenty second of January. And what's it called? Isles. Isles, and yeah. I. It's got something to do, like, I mean, I've, I haven't read the press release because I hate fucking press releases. I'd rather just sit and chat yeah. to you about it. The name's really just, we're, we're, we're at exactly the halfway point where we've lived pretty much bang on half our life in Ireland and half our life over in, in London, um, in sort of like mainland England. And it just really sort of, the, 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 we've kind of identified definitely the influences from both places are very, very different. And it's definitely come together to kind of form what we'd say is our sound, not our sound, but our, our, our entire style is based around kind of, you know, the early stuff that we had experienced in Northern Ireland and then coming across to, to London. And uh, it's really just about kind of, and the, and the push and pull between the, the, there's such opposing places like Northern Ireland being a lot more conservative, but also having all those amazing countercultures and those sort of, that that you know the underground really means something in Northern Ireland. I think whereas London, it's just sort of standard. There's underground everywhere. Do you know what I mean? And London's a lot more maybe comfortable in its own skin. There's, a, there's lots of very successful sort of underground culture, and it's very it's just so multicultural. Whereas Northern Ireland's obviously just a lot. It's a lot. It's not nowhere near as multicultural, but it has these little you know little like pockets of of highly um, in depth. I mean, we we were all our friends when we were younger. We're into we we had a we used to all share a tallow disco when we were like 18, 19 mm-hmm. and it was a real thing. And we kind of liked the music tongue, from a tongue in cheek perspective. We didn't really like the music as music. It was more, we just thought the ridiculous sense and some of the vocals yeah, and the drum it, programming no. was so over the top. Do you know what I mean? And you know, um, there was this and the contrast to techno that you would go out to yeah. and listen. We'd put that on in a pre-party. Yeah, we'd have everyone be just dancing, like blasting like, the tallow, going "Yeah!" <laughs> but it's like I think you know, I, that would probably go. That's sort of almost approaching music sometimes from like a jokey side, but also the, the in-your-face intensity definitely resonates more in Northern Ireland and maybe less so. It, things are a bit cooler, deeper in London, you know what I mean? It's, when I say cooler, I mean that as in sort of serious, like serious and chilled yeah, out. Yeah, and like serious record, the serious record collectors and... Yeah, it's a bit like more chin-strokey. If you say you're like, you like this music, some, there's going to be about 100 more people that have got like the best collections of whatever music. That's far less crack. I mean, it's, I'm not, it's not... It's well, not 
it's not built into me to go for a night out. And this is why, like, um, like I love dance music, and, and I'm a ma- like massive dance music fan, and have been for like the guts of about a decade. I was a indie boy before that, but yeah. I don't like going clubbing. Like, and and it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just I don't I, know what I, it is that I like. I just I just don't really enjoy going clubbing. I just stick it on and go running to it or whatever. But I just I never got bit by the club bug. I think I think it's a different. There's a, there's like I, I there's there's certain nights I used to love. Like Theo Paris would play Plastic People all night, and you know when you hear someone's full record collection and it's uh, paced like that, and it's like in a comfortable environment for the DJ. It's mm. like when we play in Robert Johnson, you feel you get a very different set. Than yeah, that we play. I mean, Robert else. Johnson's magical. Like That's it's the place in Frankfurt, isn't it? Yeah, it's and and like I went you, there you, you, last you, year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good or bad? It was well. My one of my friends was getting married, and he uh, for his stag do, he wanted to go to Robert Johnson, and then they got they a friend of his, um, they got like an industrial estate in Miltonburg and through a two day rave, um, <laughs> biker gangs landing down, and it was the fucking weirdest thing that I've ever done. Yeah. I don't know if I'd do it again, but it was it was good crack. Yeah, I'd be like that. Robert Johnson place is pretty cool. It, it, it's, um, it's like a living room. You're just DJing for like a very small audience and it means that you can really delve in. It is like... But it comes alive. It's, 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 it's six to seven in the morning when the sun comes up and it really feels like a, the day after that the mm-hmm. place we've had some amazing experiences where you can start playing the deepest music that you've got in your folder and it kicks off. People are re- like, you can play eight minute, 12 minute tracks and people are hanging on every beat to the very end, which is incredible. You don't get that many other places. It's, it's but like, it is when the sun comes up there. It's that you just get another energy. And just like when I moved to London, it would be like I'd go to Fabric by myself to watch Ricardo Villalobos at six o'clock in the morning and sit there for five hours. And he could just be playing like straight, it's it, like straight beats that don't really change much. It's just very minimal. But like getting locked in, all that kind of stuff. And kind of, it is very like, um, hypnotic and meditative almost did you and i think that there's different. did you have to like did you have to be on drugs to be able to sit there for five hours when you were doing it yourself at that age or, or were you able to go and just zone in on that, it completely sober well i'd work and stuff so i'd go there at six o'clock in the morning and then you'd feel like you're on drugs because the sound system fabric's so intense i was actually talking about it the other day that i'd go in there in the dark at six in the morning come out and meet people at lunchtime and feel like i've been like i'm completely pissed and disorientated but it was literally just being in that environment not like i wasn't even drinking it was just a case of like you're in that intensity and getting really locked into it It it's like that kind of meditative stuff where people would be like you know like you if you meditate for like hours you you get into like a different state but um, but when you're locked in, concentrating on really not, you're not really concentrating on anything apart from just like listening to music and just like actually dancing. It's a it's like a different experience, and I can kind of see why. Like I would never do that unless I was by myself, and I don't really I don't think if I go clubbing now, I'm kind of stuck in the back room. So it's very rare unless I'm at Panorama Bar or Robert Johnson that I actually get involved in the dance floor. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, I, I, I'm a shit dancer and I've got a short attention span, so that's probably another reason why. So going back to the sort of concept of the, the record really quickly, I, I find it at this age, like there's not much difference in age between us three. Um, yeah. And I find that I'm seeing it with my mates big time and I'm feeling it myself. You, This is stick or twist time, wh- whether you stay in in England or wherever it is that you've, you've gone to make your home 
or you move home and there's a shit ton of ones moving home. And I, I'm thinking yeah. I'm, I'm one of these people that's get, getting the, getting that sort of tug to go back and live in Northern Ireland. Do you, do you feel that or how do you, how do you feel? I, I get it sometimes, but the thing is though, it's just like, I think, and it is, it's, 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 it's I think the options that have for like, like things like food in London, it's just like, you can just never, ever, every meal can be so exciting. You go out just every Saturday. If you want to do something, there's something you can do. Yeah. Um, not that I have many Saturdays off a lot this year, but not normally, but I, I think London's just very, still very exciting. It's quite hard to know. Also the weather about five degrees warmer. It's just like, <laughs> wait, I get home a lot. I get home a lot, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe in the future. Yeah, not you're not going to move back for the weather anyway. No, I know that. I mean, that's the one I think I keep bringing up to my missus. I live in Brighton, um, and, yeah. and I keep saying like, you know, what about moving home? She's like, going, do you not see what the fucking weather's like back home? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, unconstant cyclone. Yeah, it is. It's hard to know. A lot, a lot of my friends are doing the same. A lot of it's, it's. I think, um, I mean, another thing for us is just it's if we moved home, it would be all we'd be doing is getting a flight from city airport to Heathrow and then starting our journey again, or mm-hmm. it's just jumping on a train in London. That was one of the draws to London in the first place was that it was just, it's a very, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a hub um, that you can fly anywhere from. And I, I, I mean, who knows what travel is going to look like in the future anyway, and what, and what will be happening. I suppose Dublin is supposed to be flying from Dublin. It's hard to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But certainly even getting the, you know, things like the Eurostar, like we were, we were, um, on the last tour, getting trains to Amsterdam and Belgium and um, France, Paris, um, a lot more because we prefer the train. It's just, it's a nicer experience. But it, I mean, just alone for just being able to hop on a train and get somewhere to Europe and London with all your gear, it's just so easy, you know? And it's a, it would be a lot harder to do what we do, um, not being anywhere apart from really London or Amsterdam or Dublin. I mean, Dublin maybe, but Dublin just feels like the same as London. Do you know what I mean? Really, mm-hmm. it's like you're not solving anything. <laughs> Big time. I think you're just, we're just making excuses. <laughs> like, no, I'm not going back. Fuck it. <laughs> um, here, lads. I like, I, I, I'm very excited about this album. I, I have to say, like, is like, I feel, I, like, I already feel that like Apricots is is connecting in in a way similar to. <laughs> the glue has this might be your like this might be your uh don't look back in anger if the other one's wonderful um, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll find out but um yeah i'm excited to hear the hear the whole record and um thanks for coming on the podcast yeah thank yeah, you very much for having us yeah, great cheers. chat yeah cheers for having us up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 